0: Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio, life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat,
1: and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to
0: smoke them like some rich, church, yeah. like John
2: Take my big cigar.
0: My cigar. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe DeBabna, of this morning's KMA episode number 426, broadcasting from South Florida, along with my trusty gang, the Italian Scallion himself, Paul DeGracco, fresh in from Legoland, and our, the man himself, aka the GOAT, Alex Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, sir. How are you? morning. Got an interesting well, background going on there, Paul. I am in my brother-in-law's
3: house. It is a lovely room of death. There's lots of uh, animals here. This is the basement where my children sleep and wake up terrified. <laughs>
4: uh, the, uh, the dungeon?
3: <laughs> yeah. It's the man. It's the man cave. Yeah.
0: Are those all self hunted?
3: Yeah, yeah. Everything. You know what? They're my my brother in law and father in law are big hunters, but they're uh, they're they're those guys that absolutely use every single piece of the animal. Like they find uses for for bones and everything. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Even dead, plus clearly. Well, they take uh, you know the stuff out of it. They make dog food out of uh, the meat that isn't you know, consumable to humans as well. And they, obviously they keep the, the, uh, what do you call it? The pelt, the fur, and they, they mount some of them. And while they were out hunting, you went to Legoland? No, he went with us to oh. Legoland. There's oh. a new Legoland here in New York that, uh, we were planning a trip to for, for all the kids to go to.
4: Have you funny. ever, have you ever gone with them hunting? Oh, you're a funny guy. Just curious. Maybe, <laughs> you know, I have, I have not.
3: I'm not against it. I mean, listen, I eat, I eat the meat. I love venison and I love wild turkey. We had uh, wild turkey burgers for dinner the other night, and uh, I, I love, I love all of the meat. And
4: I, never I trust, hunting
3: I trust the food that they that they prepare way more than I trust what comes from the supermarket. In all honesty, I mean, they're meticulous about how they treat the meat and take care of it. So, um, you ever, you ever
4: been hunting, Gabe?
0: Gotta. He had to have. No, nope, never shot. Never shot at a live thing. Wow, that surprises me. And honestly, I had I had zero interest. Yeah, me too. Though so I will share with you a funny story. Me three. Please do. Early, early on in my career, um, you know, trying to figure out how to get out there and, you know, become known. I was looking at a lot of my mentors and one of them was like Lou Rothman who had a phenomenal story of, you know, obviously climbing mountains. Kilimanjaro, you know, and, um, you know, God rest his soul, you know, my partner, Harry Hersey Jr. was a big huntsman. Uh, He had an office who my wife used to work for him before we even started dating. Um, He had a big office, I'd say, was roughly 4,000 square feet, maybe bigger. Um, He had a walk-in humidor in that office.
3: Wait, it, his private his private office was 4000
0: yeah. square feet? Yeah. Wow. Because that's because awesome. Because in that office was like every animal he had ever hunted on Oh wow. And whatnot. He had this one he had this one um it was probably the most amazing piece i ever saw. It was two lions that him and his wife had hunted. And the way they had mounted mounted these animals was One lion was on its back paws, standing straight up in the air with its two front paws reaching out like this. So it was on two legs. And the other one they propped like as if it was coming down, jumping off a cliff. And its two front paws were on the shoulders of the lion on its back paws. And its legs were straight up in the air. It was like the most amazing piece I ever saw. It was like a live still of a moment maybe in the wild and um he had like literally everything elephants bears um he had a lot of close calls you know he's oh wow yeah so you know one day i thought I said, you know lou's got this great story so maybe i should go on safari with you once and <laughs> you know see I can like like, like you hunt a rhino or something you know have a good story to talk about you know he's like yeah, okay sure I'm like really he's like yeah you know First, you got to probably pay the camp, I think, like twenty five or $30,000 for every, like, five days or whatever it is. All right. And then he's like, if you're lucky enough to actually find one and hunt one and shoot it, it's probably another 100000 you know, to, to be able to shoot it. You know, and that's not even getting it mounted or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, plan B.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just admire B. yours.
0: Yeah. Plan B. But, yeah, he, he was a big hunter. I mean, like, he he was, he was a ranchman. He had his own ranch. And, uh, in fact, his ranch was, he had permission from Roy Rogers himself. He had a big picture out in the ranch of him and Roy Rogers because he called it Happy Trails Ranch.
3: Yes, yes, that's
0: yeah. correct.
3: Wow, it, that's pretty cool.
0: Yep. He used to have a great, uh, I used to do a lot of trap, trap and skeet shooting. And um, he had a great, like, uh, it, it was. It would be a golf course of traps, right? So you would drive these three-wheelers or four-wheelers from station to station on his property. And he had some in the trees, some from the lake shooting straight up. And you would just go around his whole property, you know, shooting. It was, it was a great time. It was a great time. Wow. Yeah.
3: I, I didn't know that he was a hunter.
0: Oh, huge. Him and his wife, both. I mean... Just, just big and, and big game hunting too. Not just like you know deer and elk and whatever. I mean, he told me a story about a black bear where you know the first one didn't. The first shot, it, he got caught off guard. And it surprised him and, the, and it was close. So the first shot knocked him on his on his ass, and he barely had enough time to get a second round in to stop the bear. I mean, it was, yeah, oh my he, god. Yeah, he had some great stories. And then he'd go out and do it again. He was, he was a great guy. Great guy. He just a man's man, men of men, really.
4: Yeah, I never got the chance to meeting, but just knowing Harry, what is Harry? Harry the third. The third Trey. Yeah, right. I mean, I can just see that, and they're outdoorsmen, and you know, just as Harry is just as content on a farm or fixing something as he is, you know.
3: That was his dad, though, right? I mean, he, he right. mowed his own like, lawn, right? As, I mean, acres of property
0: mowed his own lawn, right? Mowed his own ranch. Yeah. Right. Uh, his own ranch, <laughs> but yeah, Alex, we got questions. Everybody want to know how uh, Sonny is doing. As you want to make sure people call him Sonny,
4: he's uh, he's doing okay, man. He's he's sleeping fairly well. Um, thank God. You know, <laughs> it hasn't been too bad. Uh, he's putting in four hours of sleep. So that's good. I, yeah, that that's good. But uh, so far, so good, man. Everything's okay. Um. I don't know. There's a new. I, I guess it's new because with with Carmine, it got done at the hospital. I know Abe has a horror story, but this time, um, I had to wait a week for him to get circumcised, which like kind of sucks. Like I'd much rather just get it all out the way, yeah. get it done. You know, he, it's, it's okay now, but you know it's a it's a shitty. It was a shitty. They don't days. do it in the hospital now. They don't they, do it they in they the, do hospital, it the doctor's yeah. office.
0: I, I thought they always did it at birth, right when the baby was born.
4: Right.
3: No, no it's a it's a money thing, I believe.
4: I think so, in so too. In all honesty. Well, either way, nothing covers it. Insurance doesn't cover it. So. Yeah. But yeah, so we had a rough Wednesday. What do, they,
0: what do they consider it, cosmetic surgery? It is cosmetic surgery, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you have wow. to pay outright for it.
4: But um, no, other than that, everything is good. You know, everybody's okay. Merce is okay. Baby's doing good. They're out and about a little bit.
0: Abe, you got the seeing him yesterday, so and and he is a spitting image of Winston Churchill.
4: He's he's Winston Churchill. I don't I don't. You know what uh, I, I you should
0: go he, buy a little top hat. Find seriously, I like, mean, he, a, he, like a mannequin top hat for form. Yeah. He literally is a spitting image of Winston Churchill. <laughs> my, 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 <laughs> I, I, my,
4: <laughs> I
3: didn't think about that, but I can see that now. Actually, oh there. no,
4: dude, pictures, I, yeah, I don't know it, what. Happened. More
0: so, even in real life. Yeah, that's yeah. funny.
4: Yeah, yeah. We we had a eighty year old Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> that's great how's carmine adjusting carmine is adjusting great man he really is and i'm i'm really glad because it was something i was a little worried about even though carmine was all jacked up for for a brother i mean you know five years of carmine was the show and it was only about carmine but um no man he's taken to it he uh he doesn't even call him by any name other than my brother my brother my brother my brother so yeah, he's all about it. You know, he's, he's uh, probably
3: happy to get you off his back. He got something else to entertain. Yeah, you guys yeah a
4: little bit. I left this morning, and they were they
0: were watching uh, Teen Titans together. You that's know, nice. that, that, that's a common fixation with um, only kids early on. I was I was infatuated with having a brother. In little Littlehead. I known what I was going to get, I might have not been so excited. But. <laughs> um, you know, literally my mom would dad would say, What do you want for your birthday? I'd say like, I want a baby brother and one that could walk and talk and right. um, I see that with some of my young kids' siblings who don't have brothers. It's I think it's just a, a natural uh especially when they see other kids with siblings. You know, I think right. it's a natural thing. So good good on Carmine. Good on him.
4: Yeah, yeah that's pretty great. It's
3: a, How I, my kids were born so close together that it'll never that'll never really be an issue. But right. Right. that's my, what my fear is they're going to fight uh, insanely, I'm sure. I mean, but my brother and I were eight years apart, but we fought every day, all day. I mean, our uh, my childhood, I was never a fan of my brother until later so in life.
0: Basically, you mean you got your ass
3: kicked on a regular basis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They fought. Okay. Ru- rug burns where my skin bubbled up. And I mean, he used to beat the living shit out of me. I like this guy. Yeah, you probably would like my brother. Yeah, my kind of guy. not a not a big cigar smoker but he uh when my grandfather died who was the cigar smoker in the family we did share a cigar together he's like all right this isn't so bad i was like see
0: how much of a cigar guy were you before cam paul i smoked i like i didn't smoke any of the boutique stuff like i mean i I did like go out and like buy a cigar
3: yeah oh yeah lots of times i bought boxes before too
0: really okay Yeah. yeah
3: But but I smoked like my grandfather used to smoke. Um, I, I I have I have a box of them somewhere, like a little like five packs of of Romeo and Julieta's, and there's another one that he smoked. Nothing nothing crazy. So I I had smoked a couple of his cigars in the past. I smoked. Actually, it's funny because Dojo did that um, gas station cigar special last week, which which I uh, enjoyed, and I would smoke those. Um, Tijuana smalls cherries with the, with the plastic tip. And I would smoke, I did smoke uh, acid when I, when I moved to the beach, when I, when I had a house on the beach, I became friends with a guy across the street that was a cop in the little village that we lived in. And he introduced me to acid Cuba, Cuba. So I had smoked uh, those for a while and I had smoked. Um, it's another drew product. Um, Liga privada. I had smoked and I enjoyed. It was strong Uh, for
0: me, uh, like it was definitely
3: Drew products.
0: Which one was it? That vague Drew product? I can. (laughs) It wasn't vague. I just I I was
3: trying to remember the name of the cigar. But that was a cigar that, like, when we would go out, like, for a big steak dinner, and the guys would smoke cigars out on the porch of this steakhouse up there, we would. I would smoke one of those. So yeah, I did smoke cigars, but I didn't know this world. Like you guys introduced me to to the Steve Saka's of the world, which you know i i mean with no no extra plug to steve but that's just a cigar that the those cigars the sin compromiso is is a cigar i will at any time always go to i didn't know of Espinosa. you know the laranja is the laranja and the uh, Murcielago is those are two of my like just regular go to cigars at this point
4: oh there you is that the maduro no that's some special shit that i almost stole off his desk a couple times while he wasn't looking oh Wow. That is a new Laranja. Abe's Very muted. Very cool. Abe's muted. He muted himself. Uh, Abe, you muted yourself with the button. It's blue. Abe, oh. I was, Yeah. It's a, yeah, I, I I don't know. I saw the name of it, but I, I did. I almost, I, I eyed it up a couple times on his desk. Is that for the show? And it was only one. It's I don't know, is it for the show? or. for Abe, uh, I'm, cu- I'm curious, though. Did you ever venture into the flavored cigar realm? Um, so...
3: Brandy likes them, right? Doesn't she like acids? I
4: mean, look, <coughs> But Brandy will just as quickly fire up a Padron Principe.
3: No, I know. me, But I'm the same way. Like, I don't dislike them. I like them. Listen it's just the right time.
0: I, I don't do any of the flavors, like cherry, rum, vanilla. I don't do any of that. Um when i remember when i met johnson drew and the gang they didn't have anything other than acid that's right right. selling so um and then i remember because when i first started getting into business um where i was just distributing to country clubs and restaurants and and stuff like that in chicago and i was buying cigars legally without a license um the hottest brand at the time Mm -hmm. was lars teton it was like literally like the hottest brand in the country. It was like crazy, and um, so when Acid came out, I was naturally prone to try because I I'd smoked some of Larg's stuff. And of course, being just getting into cigar smoking was such a unique thing. So I was, I was, I, I, I was a smoker of some Cuba Cuba's, um Extraordinary Larry, because back then I was into all the big ring sizes, which I sel- okay, which I seldom smoke now. Um, and, and that's why when we did the Ming project, it was a six by 60. So, you know, that was, that was the extraordinary Larry's was kind of the cigars I would smoke if I was going to light up an acid. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I, I, could smoke an acid. I would smoke an acid, you know, if someone offered me one, whatever, but as far as normal flavors or stuff like that, eh, nah. not none of the Tatiana's I, or any of that. I, no, no. I, I, I like tobacco flavor. I mean, I'm going to smoke a cigar. I like the flavor of the tobacco. You know, I do
3: too, but I'll like I'll be known to pick up a Java once in a while or uh, something
0: like that. But if I mean, wanted it, flavor, I'd drink a cup of coffee. Right, that, that's right. my argument. I wouldn't right. smoke it. You know, yeah. I got no problem with the flavor, but I just drink a cup of coffee before I smoke a Java. I don't you know, know man. Use, those those I'd Java cherries, and then smoke my cigar.
4: Yeah, I, I I remember you know when I when I first really got into smoking and. Uh, you know, I, I did what I suggest any new smoker does. And, you know, I, I put my full faith into the guy at, at the cigar shop, which for me yeah, was, totally. was little puros down in, in Del Rey. And I would, you know, yeah, he give me something. I, yeah, I like that. Here, try this, try this, try that. But I remember it was another cigar smoker who suggested I try an acid and I didn't know acid was flavored. And I bought it and I took it home and not realizing what it was, I, you know, not that it was a bad cigar. I didn't like it, but it's just I'm like, I know I kind of enjoy that tobacco flavor rather than took you whatever. off guard. Yeah. And it just wasn't for me. You know, I, I, the infused thing isn't really for me. The flavor thing isn't for me. I kind of feel like, you know, if I want if I want a cherry flavor, I'll eat some cherries. I, it's funny. I I uh, used to work with our old CFO
3: at the company I work at. He was a diehard cigar guy. And I actually, Abe, you may have met him once or twice because he used to frequent the Boynton store. He said he had met you. I mean, everybody says that, but he uh during the day he was exclusively blondies and he would smoke seven of them a day. But then at night he would I mean he would move on to like he he liked uh, a lot of Saka cigars. He liked um, is it the Tabernacle from Nick? Melillo, he he enjoyed those. But it was funny because during the day only he would never smoke any other cigar but a blondie during the day. Because I think partially because it would last for his walk. We had a park there, so when he would take his breaks, he would take a walk around the park, and that was enough time for him to smoke a blondie. But uh, he was big into both both types of cigars. I mean, to each his own. That people there's most of the time I see it's divided though. Most people are like either you know
4: straight tobacco or straight flavored cigars or infused cigars you know yeah hey speaking of nick malillo gotta give the guy credit man he was showing me yesterday uh nick has joe rogan fully engrossed in foundation yeah. cigars smoking them on the podcast i mean yep well done the, the ashtray sits right there the whole yeah. show
0: yeah wise man maduro yeah we yep. were zooming in to see we, can we were. which one was it <laughs> but
4: yeah last was,
3: time we last time we had nick on i i talked to him for like I, it had to be an hour and a half before the show and he was saying he's like I, I I just I sent him just thinking like out of the blue, I sent him a nice uh care package with a uh, you know, a couple of cigars and a and an ashtray and the next show that was on the show. He didn't right. talk about it, but it was on the show. But now he's talking about it, everything. Yeah. He's a he's a yeah. big fan. Yeah, Nick's got some great product, man. Absolutely. I, I
0: I'm 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 bouncing back between the round and the box price of the anonymous. And I'm I very still
4: made a decision.
0: I'm very interested to see the debates when they start landing. If people, especially the people who got both, if they have one preference or another.
4: What is, do
3: you have a preference?
0: My gut and my mind wants to tell me box press.
3: Right. Me for too. Because that's originally how we ordered them. We yeah. wanted
0: a box press. We told them they just made rounds and sent it to us for it to try. And then we couldn't make a decision. Right. But when I smoke around, as I'm smoking now, I say, oh. Hmm. So either, either, either they're just that close that I really just like them both, but it just seems like the, the one in the moment that I'm smoking, I say, oh, this, this really might be better than the two. But psychologically, mentally, I think I'm just prone to the box press ones.
4: Yeah, I, I feel the same way, but that, then I smoked the round, and same thing. The only uh, difference that I can really see is I think the round produces a little more smoke. Smokes a little bit easier, but again, I I can't. You know, I agree. You know, whichever one I have at the moment, I I'm I'm leaning towards. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure that yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> I'm going back and forth.
0: <laughs> oh wow! Did they ship? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. Unless there was a there was a additional product that they were waiting on a transfer or something. They pretty much all went out. Um, also, I got to do big, big thanks to my brother, Matt Booth, who hooked me up with some man size bracelets, finally.
3: Oh, yes. look at that. That probably but, would fit around my neck.
0: Custom made them. So I, thank you, brother. I appreciate okay. it.
4: Bracelets for April, necklaces for
1: Paul and I. Yeah, right?
3: Yeah. Room101.com. Check out their jewelry. He's got some cool cool new stuff coming up, actually, that he did like a, <laughs> an email about a couple weeks ago, a new line that's coming out. So nice. he's got some good stuff, man. That's the, I'm probably the only one in the world that when I meet, when I see Matt Booth in person, we geek out about uh, jewelry stuff, like, you know, semi-precious stones and the types of stuff that he uses, because he uses some not, not, uh, I don't know what the word is, but he uses stuff that a lot of people don't use in men's jewelry. So, and when I worked at Tiffany, I got to work with a lot of rare semi-precious stones that you don't really see a lot. And he uses a lot
0: of that stuff. So it's, it's
3: cool to see.
0: Well, we got a jam-packed show today. Should we like do. Darter, we got a couple of guests, but before we get into our meet your maker segment, we have an old friend ready to come on. Um, and Paul, why don't you go ahead and introduce them because they're going to give us a legislative update, which we haven't had for a long time. So here today, we have
3: an, a legislative update with our friend Glenn Loop and Joshua Harbusky from the PCA. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How you guys doing?
4: How you doing, guys?
5: What's up, KMA crew? Good
0: What's up? How's it going? Good to see you again on KMA, Glenn. Good to be back. All right. So, shoot, tell us what, what, where where you reached out to us. You wanted to give our fans an update before the upcoming PCA show. What is going on?
5: Well, we're at the tail end of the state legislative season, and it's been a vibrant, incredible legislative season for the states. We thought in light of all the big-ticket government items that, that the country has confronted during COVID that there would be this this deep box of of tax increase legislation across the country and that simply didn't materialize at least not now what did materialize is a host of legislation that would grant local control local taxing authority local regulatory authority from the states to localities Unfortunately, that legislation didn't get through in a host of states like oregon and kentucky and tennessee uh but there's still pending tax increases in in massachusetts uh Big, significant tax increase just got defeated in Maine. I've got to say kudos to Smoker Friendly and the and the retailers in Colorado. They beat a tax increase in Lakewood, Colorado this week. And the significance of it was Colorado passed a referendum for a tax increase. And what that referendum also did was granted local governments the power to do it simultaneously with the state. You would have ended up with taxes... At the level of Canada, literally, if this had gone through, so instead of fighting it in 120 local governments in in Colorado, they wanted to send a strong message and smoker friendly. And there, and the folks at Tobacco Leaf and other shops in uh, in Lakewood, Colorado, defeated that uh, this night two nights ago. But uh, what what's really significant now is the exciting stuff going on in New York. Paul, you can appreciate this, but the the retailers in New York have really politically gotten their act together. They formed the New York Tobacconist Association. Mike Glenn is at the helm of it. They've got an active, engaged board. And really, here's the significance of it. The governor took their OTP to 75%, which is just a death nail to to cigar shops in the state of New York. They reached out across the aisle. They got Democratic sponsors. They got legislation introduced for a 50-cent tax cap. They've got great bipartisan momentum behind it. And they put in a bill there in New York to allow cigar shops to have a, a on-premises liquor license. So two, two very positive pieces of legislation that have been introduced in New York. And they're really looking at the long game there. They're saying, listen, let's lay the groundwork in 2021. If it doesn't get through this session, we're, we're gonna carry this thing through to 2022. And they've got some strong democratic leadership in the, in the assembly and Senate. Uh, sponsoring those bills. So they've really done, uh, uh, it's really a great political case study. That's huge. That's huge. It it really is. It really is. And I I just give credit to the local leadership.
6: And as these uh, state legislations adjourn, we we produce two new resources on premiumcigars.org. Um, all the state legislative victories so you can see what has been achieved over the, the past few months and a list of the top 20 federal and state issues that are going on in premium cigar policy. Uh, we had you know several tax increases introduced at the federal level as well uh, We were concerned that they may be inserted into the infrastructure package. Uh, but it looks like we were able to stave that off. Uh, we had a lot of folks that wrote to their members of Congress, met with their members of Congress. So we're going to talk a little bit about all of that at the, the trade show and our government affairs updates. Uh, but federally, we're in you know, the successes of last year with the court cases. We're still seeing the effects of that. Uh, but we're knee deep in a research study with the National Academies of Sciences Uh, which is doing a a comprehensive literature review and study on premium cigar, the health effects and the usage. And we've had to present to that uh, committee several times, panel of 14, 15 medical doctors. Um, And um, needless to say, it's been uh, a a bit of a challenge.
0: Are you guys trying to dispel the adverse effects that they claim um, cigar smokers experience
6: yeah you know small we're we're combating a lot of the data that they put out on non-premium products everything is you know conflated Uh, during those sessions a lot of the public health groups presented as well you know the campaign for tobacco-free kids uh, lung association heart association and everything that they presented in those sessions were non-premium cigars. They don't meet the FDA definition. They don't meet the court definition. They don't meet our definition. So, you know, we had to point that out, uh, correct the record, but also assert our small business data. You know, what effect, if we listen to everything what they're saying, what would that mean for U.S. businesses, small businesses, family-owned manufacturers, and all the employees in the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, and Honduras? They're having migration and immigration issues right now. Well, if you restrict premium cigars and they can't sell that product, there's not going to be any jobs in those countries. And that's just going to ampl- amplify uh, the issues that we already see, both nationally and globally.
0: Got a question. You may not know the answer. Do either of you guys know the percentage of the American population that actually engages in the use of tobacco?
6: I tobacco.
5: Go ahead, Josh. I don't know the full
6: tobacco usage, but I know that premium cigar's about 3 million occasional cigar enthusiasts that what in the average is having 1.2 a month. That's what the, the data says.
0: Because you know, when you hear what the hardest to achieve guys uh, and the amount of effort they put in. You know, if they really were concerned, why why don't you see these kind of battles with fast food places, right? You got to believe that childhood obesity, high blood pressure, cholesterol affects the whole masses more than tobacco. Why? Why do they? Why is there never any kind of front for something like that from the Heart Association?
5: Because cheeseburgers are a lot more popular than tobacco.
0: So, so in itself, it just shows it's not really about solving a problem.
5: Well, if it were, I mean, we get wrapped up into the same debate when we talk about cannabis legalization, which is still a federal crime. Uh, we, you don't see them, you know, the, the sugary drinks lobby is much more engaged, but Coca-Cola is more popular than tobacco. And it's really a credit to the demonization of the product over the course of 30, 40 years by the body parts lobby. Uh, The the premium cigar side of the industry never thought these horrible things would happen to them and always equated to the finer things in life, the scotch, the, the wine, whatever the case might be. Meanwhile, the opposition was creeping up behind the industry and doing everything it could to equate this with a pack of cigarettes. And literally, if you read the final rule of the FDA, they did everything humanly possible to equate smoking a cigar to smoking a cigarette. And they're still doing the same thing by equating premium handmade cigars with mass market cigars. It's much more easy to, easier to regulate from a one size fits all, lump everybody into the same basket, than to come up with specific regulatory schemes that fit the product. And it's just for the bureaucracy, much more cumbersome to have to go to that trouble. And I think it's a credit to the industry that it's really forced them into that mindset as well as the courts have done that. I think moving the goalposts too, you
6: know, I think that look at Tobacco 21, T21 was passed. Next thing you know, Suffolk County, New York, introducing a, a proposal to increase it to 25. Other places, 27. In Hawaii, they wanted to introduce a bill that would age the or raise the age of purchase to 99. It's not really about, um, you know, adult usage. You know, their studies, the FDA NIH study, says that premium cigar enthusiasts have their first cigar at the average age of thirty, so it's not a youth access issue for the premium sector. We kind of get lumped into that conversation about vape and e-cigarettes, and uh, you know we have to to fight that off. Yeah, but, but yeah, about, I, about prohibition. I, I get that, but my
0: greatest argument is is look, forget about the the lumping together or whatnot. Just include tobacco, include vape, whatever. The hypocrisy lately is just mind blowing because I I mentioned last week I used the word flabbergasted. I can't remember. Somebody got a kick out of it, but I just been utterly flabbergasted. I've now been back. I went to Vegas the last few months, just came back with my family from New Orleans. Right. And like if you light up a cigarette, forget about it. You might as well have started the Armageddon. But everywhere now, prolifically, like not even trying to hide it is the smoke of marijuana everywhere. You know, we stayed, uh, uh, you know, in Vegas, and I'm telling you, the whole floor reeked of marijuana, and no one cares. It's the smell of marijuana, people smoking marijuana, but if I light up a cigarette on that same floor, forget about it. They'll call the police. It's it's mind-blowing. So, I mean, it's beyond the lumping and non-lumping. There's a, a, a psychology now in America of what's just acceptable and, you know, if you look at the bur- a burning and smoking of a mar- marijuana or a joint or whatever, it, you know, it's, it's no less harmful than smoking a cigarette. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're burning, you're consuming, you're putting it in your lungs, but it's become OK. That's the part that I'm, I'm just I just can't figure out as an intelligent society how, how this has become the norm and acceptable now.
6: And some of those sponsors of the legislation that goes after tobacco products Those are the same people that are deregulating marijuana and cannabis usage. So there is, there's certainly, I agree with you, Abe. There's a hypocrisy there where uh, you know they're not, they're not having a consistent message with it. We we have to fight a very well organized, well funded opposition, and they continue to put out information and uh, you know pretty much routinely every time where we have a presentation. Um, not only do we have to present, we have to then follow up and provide a myth versus fact of what the truth actually is and use the data. We're, we're not, you know, we don't have the resources to fund these large studies and, um, you know, present industry information uh, beyond, you know, some of the small business data that we've collected. But these health studies, we're using what the FDA and the NIH put together and having to refute a lot of these claims that uh, the public health groups are, are, are using. So, you know, in I mean, the study's going to come out next year in 2022, and uh, that is, it could be a real eye opener for the industry. We're in a bit of a um, you know b- good period for the next few months based off of the court decision, uh, but the, you know they recently the FDA did. Uh, the advanced notice for uh, proposed making for premium cigars so that they can put further emphasis into this study. So this right now, federally, is uh, our, our you know, North Star. We have to really follow this uh, through and through because it could lead to a lot of problems for the industry.
0: So if anybody's watching or, or, or seeing the show right now or seeing in the future, where can they go to get an update on what may be going on not just on the federal level, but
5: maybe locally, you know, in their hometown, home state. Cigaraction.org. Cigaraction.org is the PCA website for all things grassroots. We hope consumers will sign up there to re- receive updates on their what's going on in, in their respective state capitals, major local metropolitan issues, what's going on at the federal level position papers that are one-pagers that are easily digestible and able to be shared with with elected officials on everything from flavors to public health impact. Uh, It's it's all right there and and very easy for the consumer to use.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking your time this Saturday morning and coming up and informing all our fans and listeners on what's going on. And I'm pretty sure we'll probably see you guys in about a week. Yeah, looking
6: forward to it.
0: We'll see you guys in Vegas. Take care. Thanks, yeah, guys. I, I huh. think I think we got Josh this morning before he had time to to fix his hair. <laughs> he had some wild thing going on over there. I, I don't miss those, those mornings, you know.
3: Uh, that's true. It's nice just waking up and just
0: being. <laughs> right. Well, that all be- right. They, seems like they're still fighting the good fight. Which you know, I
3: didn't know that about New York either. You know, the big thing here was that if there was a, if there's a cigar shop that has a liquor license, it's from like 50 years ago and it's grandfathered in. None of these places can serve alcohol. Oh, you right. can't have a liquor license and a tobacco license. So if something like that passes, that would, I mean, we could have like a, you know, like your type of place up here. Abe. There's really nothing like what you have up here there's there's one or two in manhattan that that have liquor licenses but it's not it's nothing like what you know like your boynton store or the or the west palm beach store joshua responded
0: <laughs> oh i didn't see him here we go <laughs> it's too early it's too early josh i don't go till thursday night let <laughs> it all grew up till thursday you clean cleaned up right before the show i don't have had bad hair days but i have bad beard days now yeah Gets all scraggly. All right. Well, that being said, we got a little bit before the break. Let's introduce our uh, our key guest today. Got an interesting story and what went on. He's been in our industry for a long time, uh, representing many, many well-known companies. And uh, right before COVID, there was an interesting story that broke. We tried to reach out to him back then, and he couldn't really discuss it. And uh, he was kind enough to reach out to me last week telling me it's all over and i just thought it'd be awesome to get up on the show get him on the show and tell a story so let's hear our meet your maker segment paul i want all of you to get up out of your chairs i want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and stick your head out and yell it's time to meet your maker let's hope
3: and let's we hope. got him you got me. Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us, Tommy? Can you hear me or no? Yeah, we sure can. Tommy Zarecki, author, humorist, personality, and cigar fiend. Tommy, welcome to KMA
0: Talk Radio.
2: What's up, guys? Good
0: How's morning. Everybody? Oh, that's perfect. Don't touch your camera. You're doing great. Just don't right. don't right. do anything.
2: I, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm alive and well. And uh, Abe, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, listen, thanks for reaching out, and thanks for coming on. Um, you know, it was, it was a crazy story, and we're glad to you on. Just trying to project a little bit because your phone's a little bit far away, but we're picking you up. I just want to make sure our, our fans can hear you. Tommy, for, 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 for anybody watching the show who may not know, you've been in the industry many, many years. Why don't you give us a little background about your career and, you know, how you got in the cigar industry and what you've done within the cigar industry?
2: Well, I started smoking cigars at a wedding, my brother-in-law's wedding. Can you hear me okay, guys? Perfect. Yeah, you're good. Okay. So at my brother-in-law's wedding about, I don't know, about 1994 or so, and uh, fell in love with it instantly. And uh, I was in advertising, so I was the head of an advertising agency in North Jersey, and got into the cigar business. Then um, decided to create a magazine. So I created a magazine called The Back Room. Some of you might remember it. But uh, uh, I contacted Lou Rothman about it from JR. And he loved it so much, he said he would sell it and he wanted to write for it and everything. Uh, That was really cool. But the uh, magazine fell through. I couldn't get the finance. So... Now that was in the was,
0: late that was in the late '90s, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was in the late '90s. And
0: so, was was the magazine anywhere outside of your local area, or was it just like a local magazine?
2: It was like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, mm-hmm. but uh, we were shipping copies all over the United States and Canada because wow. people really loved it, and I had some great interviews. Uh, uh, you know, I had a
5: tremendous interview with
2: Lou. I had a a fantastic interview with uh, Sean Hannity. Uh, oh, wow. Who was very, very early on in his uh, WABC New York career back then, and uh, I had a couple of other really good interviews and stuff, and that it went really well. But the financing just fell through. The cigar boom was kind of coming to an end. But then, in the uh, around 2005 or so, uh, I ran into Lou Rothman at JR in Whippany, New Jersey, and he said, "Hey, I'm starting a new magazine. I want you to write for it." because he always loved my writing I don't know why well actually I do know why he thought my he thought my writing style was similar to his and the most similar to his of anybody else so I wrote so it was cigar magazine and you know that was a pretty popular magazine for quite a while and uh, wrote for that did some great stories some great interviews uh, my last story was the cover story with Frank Vincent from the sopranos and uh, where I got to spend a day with him which was really cool at Jr. And uh, then the magazine ended. They kind of didn't know how to run a magazine. They actually they had no idea how to run a magazine. And how it, to wasn't ad- the,
0: it wasn't how their to forte. To... What's that? It, wasn't. it wasn't their forte.
2: No, it wasn't. And you know. They, you know what? They created, if anybody remembers Cigar Magazine, it was gorgeous. I mean, a beautiful magazine, extremely well-written, after like a couple of years, me and actually Steve Saka became the top writers for the magazine. We were the, yep. most, the most requested, most uh, emails about and stuff. And uh, Lou really fell in love with my writing. But then when Lou left JR, uh, they kind of cut everything and they cut like everything I was doing, which was video, which was radio, which was their blog, which was. And that really sucked. Because I loved working at JR. I really did. In fact, uh, Lou took me to uh, a tremendous trip to the Dominican Republic for a week and uh, Honduras in the old Cofer Dia factory before it closed. Wow. And I spent a week in those two places and I learned more about cigars than I ever thought I possibly could. Spent a week with Daniel Nunez. If you remember, Daniel Nunez was General Cigar. General. Yeah, What what, a phenomenal man. Um, the guy just treated me, you know, and he was huge. People there told me that he was as big as the president of the country. He was as popular. And that guy treated me like I was a, a, a friend of 20 years for a week. And I just learned so much. It was so great. But anyway, so my thing at JR ended... And the people at Famous Smoke Shop, my friend Gary Korb, who's one of the head writers there for their, their cigar advisor magazine, um, called me. And uh, oh, I, actually, he had called me about a year earlier and said, hey, you want to do work for us? So I said, I can't. I'm working with Jr. So I called them, had a meeting uh, with their heads, Arthur Zaretsky. And instantly they hired me. So I worked for them for about six years. And then something happened. Do you remember what happened? Hey, we're going to save that.
0: We're going to, I'm going to save that till after the break to get in the house. Okay. We're, we're going to divulge in your, little, your history a little bit. So you worked six years with Famous Smoke. What, what, what did you do there, Tom?
2: Well, worked on a lot of the uh, advertising catalog stuff and stuff for there. They had a, a great uh, cigar restaurant, stuff in there. But they, when I started there, they started their magazine Cigar Advisor and they instantly put me on as an editor and writer. And uh, that really grew huge. And it grew huge because we had four writers and four creative people working on it who are all extremely talented. But because we were at Famous, you know, one of the biggest cigar retailers in the world, Every day, a new cigar manufacturer would come in and spend the day. So um, I already knew a lot of these guys, but I really got to know them better and interviewed them for hours every day. One day was Nick Perdomo. The next day was Christian Aroa. The next day was Jonathan Drew. The next day was Eric Espinosa. Name every single one of them. And uh, I got to meet them all, got to hang out with them all, became very close friends with some of them. And, um, be, then I started their, um, their online show, uh, the Facebook live show that we did once a week for over an hour. And that was tremendous fun because we'd, every time a guest would come in, there's Raphael Nodal, my buddy. Good morning from Miami. I know Raphael a long time. Uh, and, uh, I just did the best interviews, the best, and it was so much fun. But then my, my time ended there so if you want to pick well,
0: up on that we were going to hit it right after the, we take a break at the top of the hour so that's a, such an interesting story i don't want to interrupt it so sure. we're going to we're going to tease that to the second half of the show we got about seven minutes when you were at jr was most your work in print because look obviously you've been in the industry long enough you're talking about working magazines but there was a huge transition from you know print to video you know print to social media were you part of that revolution
2: Well, I actually kind of did both. Um, You know, Lou Lou Rothman was a very old school dude, Uh, a brilliant genius, the most brilliant man I've ever met in the the industry. I mean, brilliant and brilliant advertiser, but he had a very different way of doing things. And um, you know what? Uh, I miss the guy terrible. I miss the place. Terrible, but it really changed when he left. So, I'm sorry, what was your point again? Because I started thinking of 10 other things to
0: say. It's all right. You've been in in the communication part of this industry for a few decades. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You said that. uh,
0: The transition from like print mostly is the only medium to now video, social media. You know, were you part of that revolution when you were there with Mm -hmm. Famous? Were you involved in their videos and social media production? Well, mostly print.
2: It was kind of the mid-2000s, so it was still a lot of print. It was a lot of print. Um, actually, uh, a lot of stuff. But, yeah, then I started doing more online stuff. But I started doing stuff with their catalog stories. And uh, they wanted me to do fun and funny stories. I had columns. Um, amongst other things I was doing, I was doing a daily email for them. Uh, every day I wrote an email, which was a story and that was not easy to do but it was kind of pretty cool but the let me tell you real quick the coolest thing I did for them was um, Lou said I guess when he was kind of towards the end of his career he said to me um, would you like to try to write for the catalog and impersonate my writing where people will think it's me I said yeah I think I can do it So I did a couple of stories. He tweaked them, made some changes, whatever. So I came back to him with a story about, a story about how his wife, uh, Lavanda, would make uh, him and the kids always pick six potato chips out of a large bag. And they could only take six. And since they were little kids to adults, they just always took six. And I wrote this whole story about it as I was, as I was Lou Ruff, and I sent it over to him, and he calls me up two days later. And if you remember Lou's voice, he goes, "Yeah, huh, this is Lou. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got a question to ask you." I go, "What's that? Did I write this fucking article, or did you?" <laughs>
0: and That's I exactly said, how Lou would say it.
2: And I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I don't know if I wrote it or you wrote it. And I go, I wrote it. He goes, you got the job, man. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I started writing uh, articles. You know, those funny articles that that he always wrote. Um, I started writing them for the j catalog as if it was Lou and people thought it was Lou. And that was for about a year. That was pretty cool. Wow! Did you you didn't
3: you didn't uh, follow in Lou fashion and write everything for the catalog the night before it went to print? Did you?
2: No, I (laughs) did. And man, I'll tell you, that's what he did. He was out of his mind. He would stay up like a whole. He would stay up for like a day and a half and just write.
3: That's that's what he's told us the the couple of times that he was on. He said he knew he was good at it, but he hated sitting and writing. So he would procrastinate and put it off. For you know, he 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 knows the production schedule for months and months and months in advance. And he said he would wait. He would wait three months and not write anything, and then he would, then he would yeah, the he would night before all, just pull an all nighter.
2: He would do it all the last day when he had yeah. like, when he had like a week's worth of writing. He did like in a day and a half. Yeah, um, Lou is tremendously talented, and there'll never be anything like what he did for Jr. and for the Jr. catalog. Never, there'll never be anything like what he did.
0: I, I agree. You know, he was a pioneer, uh, uh, honestly, a visionary of, of this industry early on. Yeah, you know, we've had we've had the, we've had the blessing of having him on the show multiple times, and uh, probably in about another three or four months, he'll be heading back down this way. He lives down this way half the year, so uh, we'll probably, hopefully, get him on in the early uh, early spring, late winter, maybe hopefully this year.
2: You know, Let's get some I, new stories. I, I hadn't seen Lou for a while after I left. He left JR and then he was kind of in Florida a lot. Uh, but he actually came up to uh, back to New Jersey and Arthur Zarefsky, who owns Famous, actually invited him to lunch. And we had lunch together, uh, the three of us, which was really pretty phenomenal because I don't know if you know the story, those two men hated each other more than anything you could ever imagine during their years of owning their cigar stores. They fucking hated each other. They hated each other. And the two of them were talking like they were buddies for 30 years. And I was having lunch and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Last last time I saw Lou a couple of years ago.
0: And and Arthur Zaretsky, another interesting guy in his own right. I mean, you know, uh, these guys are pillars for what they created. Um, We're going to take a short break and then we're going to talk to Tom because uh, at one point, eventually, uh, Famous let him go. And then there was an incident that happened shortly after that that caught national attention, made a lot of waves and uh, basically was kind of initiated my communication with Tom about what had happened and got us here to the show today to talk about the story. So we're going to do that. And also, as the record spins by our cigars. We're gonna see what uh, is going on with Coop in hour or two, and of course, tail the tape, season two. We'll be back in literally one and a half minutes. Lit. Don't go anywhere, Tommy.
1: Surgeon Tommy, general you're... warning: Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Currently available at your favorite cigar store, the Romeo y Julieta Reserva Real Nicaragua is another fantastic collaboration between A.J. Fernandez and Rafael Nadal. Landing a number one cigar of the year of 2020 by Cigar and Spirits magazine, the Reserva Real Nicaragua is handcrafted at Tabaculera A.J. Fernandez. This Nicaraguan Piro is a medium to full body cigar that is packed to the brim with flavor notes of leather, coffee, and red pepper, which pairs nicely with a spiced rum. Available in four sizes, Romeo y Julieta return to prestigious form with the Reserva Real Nicaragua that should be enjoyed by all. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease.
2: Oh, hi.
3: Staying at my brother-in-law's house, me, the kids, and the dogs. But, um, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are or to each his own with whatever you're surrounded by because you can enjoy your favorite things wherever you go, like Bonner Private Wines. Now, this Malbec is an Argentinian Malbec that's almost as rare as this common Eider right here. You see, it's uh, it's grown in a uh, vineyard that is 8,950 feet in the air. It's part of a sampler pack that Bonner Private Wines offers KMA listeners. All you have to do is go to kmawines.com and you can get a three-bottle sampler for a great price. We give you a discount from KMA and. They'll also discount the shipping for you. So uh, check it out, kmawines.com. And uh, before the show starts up again, I'm going to talk to this very rare, beautiful specimen of a bird and finish up my Bonner Private Wines. Keep it lit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well done. I got to ask, though, am I insane or did that duck look like it had a tracking device on its leg? (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know what I didn't even look at it it's over here somewhere it, it, it had, might it had like a metal bracelet on its leg still
3: oh you know what I think because it's such a rare um a rare bird that my brother-in-law got I think they have to keep the put the tag on it for the hunting license and even when you taxidermy it it's better to keep it on there for like federal purposes oh, I, boy. he said it's a super rare bird he's like I haven't found a spot for it yet. So you can use that as a prop. Coop, I was like, all right, cool. Coop,
0: Coop busted you. He's like, did he just do that commercial this morning before the show? Because you're wearing the exact same outfit.
3: I wear the same thing every day, Coop. But Stop thanks it. for pointing that out. <laughs> uh, yes, I did it this morning. Because we. I, there will be another one. We recorded one. But the video was lost because I deleted it from my phone once I sent it to my computer. And my computer, I, as great as Apple is, my computer uh, shit the bed last week. I lost absolutely everything and they were unable to recover recover it from my MacBook Pro. You know so now I'm sitting in front way, of a brand new one.
4: By the way, we, we you know, we kind of brushed over that, but Paul literally gave us the, the doll gate my homework excuse of twenty twenty one you know I have proof my I computer have- oh, my computer
0: wrote the doll gate my homework.
3: You didn't like that commercial? I thought that was good.
0: I was taking listen, my 11 o'clock. It, it, listen, it was a great commercial, but we got to get you a lapel mic.
4: I bolt yeah. to the... Uh,
0: we're going to ship you a lapel mic this week because when you do the phone from far away... That's fun. We're going to send you a lapel mic. But the question before the break, which my man, Kirk Kendall, got to love him. And we get Tommy. Let's get Tommy back on here. All right. Here's Tommy. Our Tommy we got a question yeah. of the historic epic lunch that Lou and Arthur had from Kirk Kendall. Who paid for oh,
2: I don't think either of those cheap bastards paid <laughs> for <laughs> I think it was me. So. I think it was me. <laughs> no, actually, actually, I'll tell you this, uh, Lou. Everybody thought he was like a cheap, crazy guy, and it was quite the opposite. He wasn't. He was uh, uh, very giving, very. Wonderful guy, Uh but it could also rip you to shreds in two seconds flat and make you feel like a two-year-old crying. And then five minutes later, he's the nicest guy in the whole world. So interesting. Lou, Lou to, fights. Lou, we were, me, Lou fights.
0: Lou fights me for a check every time we go to lunch. Like, like literally. <laughs> like, won't just say. I won't say I got it. He'll say okay. Ever. He fights me a check. He comes to town. He will message me in advance because. He smokes True Blue cigarettes, which yeah, it's I, like... I,
4: it's funny. I always know when Lou's coming because somebody's out on a mission.
0: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, literally, I, I literally do. I send an employee yeah. out on a mission to find True Blue cigarettes wherever they can find them because it's not a common brand to find. So we end up getting a few cartons from him before he comes to town, so you don't have to waste a month looking for them.
2: Well, and, he rarely uh, smokes cigars. In fact, do you guys know what his favorite cigar is? Don, Don, uh, the the uh, Don Diego, what was it? The La Privada? It was like a Lonsdale. Uh, that's what he smoked. That was it. He knew a lot about cigars, but didn't right. really smoke them much.
0: But yeah, so um, and he and he fights me every time when he comes. Like I just just take cigarettes, so don't worry about it. He, he fights me every time. So he he's, he did. He doesn't really have alligator arms, but. I think with those two, it would have been more of a pride thing. Who would pick up the lunch? But obviously, maybe it wasn't. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Before we get into this story that we watched you on the show about, I do have one little segment i got to run, Tom. It's from one of our sponsors, Avo Cigars. It's called As the Record Spins. And our friend Eddie Guerra from Avo has a question specifically for you this week. So let's run that intro, Paul. Z-Man, here we go. Our friend Eddie has a question for you, and with a guy with your history and background, uh, you may have to dig deep in the archives, but he would like to know, what is your greatest cigar-slash-tobacco-related memory that you have?
2: I think going to, uh, going to uh, uh, Dominican Republic and uh, Honduras with Lou Rothman, and uh, a couple people from General. Uh, General That started out on a
0: private jet, too, didn't it?
2: Yeah, that started... Private jet out of Morristown Airport in New Jersey. uh, A six-person jet, which I had never been on. They fly at, like, 40,000 feet, which is, like, you know, 100 degrees below zero. So one crack in the windshield and you're dead. But uh, we landed in West Palm Beach to, to refuel. And... I remember I was so excited. I, dude, I was like a fucking 10 year old boy on this plane. I was, I'd never been on a private jet before. Um, Taking a million flights, but never on a private jet. And it it is a a hell of an experience. I mean, you don't want to get on a regular plane again after you've been on a private jet. And I remember we landed. Well, the whole, the whole trip down to West Palm Beach, I was just talking and talking and, Lou was trying to sleep, and I was talking to him, and I was talking to Keith, who was the, uh, uh, the VP at, uh, uh, at General, and talking and talking and just so happy. And when we landed, I called my wife, and I said, hey, we landed, blah, blah, blah. So I walked over to the group who was sitting on a bench, and I go, hey, everybody. And Lou looks up and he goes, hey, Tom, we just took a vote for you to shut the fuck up the rest of the way. <laughs> so that was my experience so I kind of shut up the rest of the way and then we went to uh, we flew to the Dominican Republic we treated like royalty I mean absolute royalty because of Lou Rothman uh, like I said spent a week with Daniel Nunez which was beyond spectacular I was riding we were riding in a Hummers uh, in the countryside of uh, of uh, Honduras, and I was in the middle, and Lou was on my left, and and Daniel was on my right for hours, just talking about actually everything but cigars. We talked about baseball because Daniel was a big Mets fan, and Lou was a Yankee fan, and that caused uh, problems. But uh, uh, and then uh, the trip to Cofradia, which was like a couple of hours through the mountains. I mean, dude, right out of television, right out of a movie. Uh, Mountain side roads and, uh, you know, no villages, no stoplights. And finally you show up on this
5: village that
2: had uh, the Kofradia factory in it and spent about three or four days there. And I'm telling you guys, I learned so, so, so much that I didn't know because when you experience uh the cigar factory and meet the people firsthand and see all the tobacco and see every phase of it and then we would dine in uh uh uh, where they actually had women that cooked for them and we would dine on these big meals and you know i remember Daniel you said do you want lemonade and i go sure and he goes all right the girls are on the back picking it off the tree right now that's what it was like and uh uh, that that was, that, I tell you, I had a lot of, there, there's like 20 things I could probably name that um, was the best thing I remember about cigar industry. But that one changed me so much. I came back a completely different person, um, including the worst diarrhea for about two weeks that I ever had in my life. So, <laughs> and it's funny because, it was oh, you know, I didn't have anything there. I ate and drank like a king, and they're like, "You sure you're okay?" I'm fine. A day after I came home, oh my god, My shit for like a week. <laughs> so sorry to bring that up, but that—that that was, right. that was amazing. And and I think to spend it with the guys, I spent it with was—I mean, whoever's who's gonna get to do that? So that was very cool, and that's what, what was cool about Lou too. So.
0: Well, there you have it. As the record spins, Thomas Zarecki, thank you for your response. That being said, so uh, I believe the incident originally happened uh, early 2020. It was, it was you were you the, the, the what led that up to this, this it happening was you actually got laid off. It was late, late 2019. Yeah, you had gotten laid off with a, a group of people from Famous at the time, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: They let uh, a bunch of you go and I'll let you continue the story from here. What happened after that?
2: Well, I had a contract for six years and they just didn't renew it. Uh, uh, a, a, a money saving thing. Cause several people got let go. And um, you know, I was, always, so you guys know, I was always considered a freelance uh, writer there. I was never an employee. Actually. A lot of people don't know that. And, um, So I got let go, and a few days later, I did a, 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 what do you call it, a texting with a good friend who had a good position there, and uh, what do you call it, this person said they really missed me, they were going to miss me terrible, and I made a stupid off-color joke. Now, it was a joke because this person has a wackier sense of friggin' humor than I do. (laughs) Oh, boy, here we go. And uh, really, this person had insane sense of humor. So I made an insane joke. Well, this person laughed hysterically, said that's the funniest thing they ever heard. Put emojis up on the screen of people laughing. That's great. I said something else. They said, Oh, that is hysterical. I love it.
0: Can you Um, share? Can you share what you exactly said?
2: Yeah, as only because, and I only said this because I was talking to such a good friend, right? That it's the kind of thing you say to a good friend as a joke, knowing it will never go anywhere because it's a joke, there's nothing serious about it at all. And I said, Hey, oh, yeah, I just want to let you know, I'll be in next week with an AK 47. I said, But I'll call you an hour ahead of time and let you know so you can get out of there (laughs) now.
0: Now, you don't own one, you don't own one weapon at all.
2: No, I actually, first of all, I'm in New Jersey, so owning weapons is very difficult. Uh, I, I, no, I do not own any guns. Um, I'm a gun, I believe in gun rights and Second Amendment 100%, totally for it, but I don't own anything, because being in New Jersey, it's very difficult. the The laws are very, very brutal here. Uh, I don't even know what an AK-47 looks like or sounds like. So, you know, and the person knew it was a joke. Well, that night at about 1130 at night, I get a phone call. And it's he says it's a guy that's one of the like the the captains at the police department from the town where uh, famous is. And starts telling me, you you said this thing on your phone today about uh you know about coming in and um uh shooting and uh uh with an ak and i go what how the hell do you know this what i found out that the person that i texted that thought it was a big joke and laughed hysterically got second thoughts and ended up calling the police
0: have you have you since then talked to that person
2: no uh Legally, I was not allowed to.
0: Right. Because, you know, I'm thinking of this myself, right? Because probably maybe 20 years ago, no one would think twice. And I, I believe probably in the moment he was laughing right with you. But exactly. I, think in, I think in today's day and age with all the crap that's happened and you've seen, he probably started going nuts in his head, you know,
2: what if? You're, no, you're at that's, that's absolutely correct. So, but dude, you got to figure, I'm in shock. I actually, I'm thinking this is a joke. I'm thinking it's somebody that's set up and they're playing the biggest joke on me. And I actually like went online while I was talking to him and looked him up. And yeah, he's a captain at the police department. Wow. So, so I kind of shit myself a little bit and, and I was really <laughs> uh, actually a whole lot. I'm sure. And and, uh, I was glad because my wife was away down the Jersey Shore at her parents' house, so I didn't have to deal with that. And um, after talking to me for like five minutes, the cop says to me, Oh my God, Tom, I wish we had called you first before we called the DA. Meaning, I realize you're not guilty. It's obvious by what you're saying. And so he called me back two times within the next hour. So three times total. And he told me, no, the DA has an arrest warrant out for you. And I was like, what? You have to come in to the police station tomorrow here in Pennsylvania, which was about an hour and a half away. And we're going to arrest you and put you before a judge. And dude, guys, I never did anything, anything to get arrested. I made a joke to a friend. Who is the kind of friend you could joke like this to?
0: Listen, I mean, in your in your defense of that statement, the whole expression "going postal" has become common, right? right, right. How many times have you heard somebody say, "I'm going to go postal" or "He's going to go postal"? I mean, it's it, it's not even an uncommon joke, right? You know, I mean, sad, but it, it's it's the fact. So, so you have so the next morning, you drive yourself down and you turn yourself in.
2: Yeah. Drove down. They they,
0: they roughed you and put you in jail.
2: Yeah, and actually, it was three cops. Two of them, when I told my story to, they like believed me right away because it's so obvious that this was all a mistake. One of the cops was a real prick and uh, wasn't cool to me at all. But uh, yeah, fucking nightmare is right. And it was they actually drove me down to a a a place with a, a holding cell put me in a cell for several hours as I and booked me and arraigned me. And I had to wait for a judge to show up on a, uh, large uh, computer screen to hear what he had to say. So that all took about four hours. And I'm telling you, I, I, I never experienced anything like this in my life. I've never been arrested. I, I don't do bad things. Well, some things, but uh, those are sexual, and those are with, <laughs> those are with women who
0: enjoy. Careful, sex. careful, Tom! You might end up getting a call at eleven thirty. I was going to say, right, guys, I was gonna careful.
2: Say. Yes, <laughs> I know. See, don't, I don't learn, do I? Uh, yeah, uh, Careful's
4: already uh, competed sending them emails for his uh, the roomie in.
2: <laughs> so no, I, I I like ladies, so I'll stay away from that. Um, so. Basically I was there for about four hours. And then finally they told me the judge might not show and you'll have to spend the weekend in jail. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And you gotta realize guys, I'm 1000% innocent. I didn't do anything. I, I, you know, I told a stupid joke to a friend that turned a nightmarishly sour. And, um, then, uh, The judge came on and he was a real bastard. I mean, an absolute prick to me and was nasty and talked down to me and threatened me. And for like 10 minutes, I was like, I wanted to puke. And finally said he was going to let me go on reconnaissance. And uh, uh, so they let me go and I had to wait for trial. Which took how long? Because
0: this is all during COVID COVID now.
2: Well, it was, that was right before COVID started. That was late. Right, so you're waiting
0: during COVID for a trial process.
2: Yeah. So really, actually, it wasn't COVID yet, because I had my first trial process um, in January. Uh, I think it was January 6th of 2020. And so COVID really wasn't, big then or yet right it wasn't big till like end of February March and uh, uh, so I went to this I had a lawyer a law firm and everything that a friend of mine recommended from Pennsylvania and the lawyer was great and uh, we had a first, a first date in court kind of like an arraignment kind of thing like so the cops are there that were on the arresting thing and uh, the judge and me And that's all that was in the room. And uh, also a local reporter, which was annoying as hell. But uh, my lawyer asked them, why do you have... Now, let me get back a little bit. Uh, A magazine article... I mean, I'm sorry. An online article came out about this. And then, uh, who came out with it from the cigar world... Uh, came out with a huge, uh, what's their names, guys? I'm. It's slipping my head. Half Wheel? Um, yeah, Half Wheel came out with a... Yeah, monstr- we saw the Half Wheel article. Did, yeah,
0: did um, they, Tom, did they try to reach out? Because I, tr- I reached out to you right away to try to get you on KMA because if you want a story, you get the story from the person involved in the story. Right. Did Half Wheel did reach out to you at all before they went to the article?
2: No, they didn't. And that's what really, really pissed me off and, and Uh, you know, people have mixed thoughts about halfway and Charlie Monado, but I, I expected why wouldn't they contact me, write me or call me and say, Hey, we want your side of the story. No, what they did was they kind of republished the, uh, newspaper article or the article from the local website, but changed some things in it and got it completely wrong. So basically what these articles all said was in the headline of the article said that I uh, threatened to come in and shoot everyone at famous. And I didn't know about these articles until my lawyers found out. And I didn't know they said that I was going to come in and I they said I said I was going to come in and shoot everyone at famous. They're all like my best friends in the world. Why would I go in and shoot everyone at Famous? It was over, it was no big deal. Uh, And it it was something somebody told the cops. And I don't know why they told them, but they said that I said, yeah, he said he was gonna come in and shoot everyone. Why the hell would the person I talked to who was supposedly a friend say this? And it was a monster lie. And uh, also... And, and you know, meanwhile, you have the
0: text copy that just basically made a joke saying I'm coming in with an AK.
2: Yeah, I had the text copy. And the thing is, the cops had the text copy. But in the police report, it says that I said I was going to come in and shoot everyone. Now, why would they say that when they have the uh, copy of the text that we sent back and forth, supplied by my lawyer? And, if, um, if the
0: world could only be so lucky that you know, any mass shooter would give a heads up and a warning to people before they go somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) World would be such a better place.
2: Just let you know. So, uh, Half Wheel, I think, really made a terrible mistake not contacting me. Because I think they would have thought twice. Because you know, the thing is, guys, everybody I told the story to, believe me, everybody, because it's so crazy and anyone who knows me and knows my background and knows who I am knows I would never do it's not me it's it's so and let me just say a side note the coolest thing of all though during this was the support I had from the cigar industry now I told you I made a lot of friends in the cigar industry but let me say Nick Perdomo and his wife Janine supported me during this like i've never seen they were in my corner a thousand percent vocally about it uh eric espinosa um jose blanco
0: christian aroa
2: well christian aroa got my freaking cell number from somebody doug found it and called me and he said to me i support you a thousand percent i don't believe a word anyone said about you uh and wow i mean that's that's unbelievable but i had that's great i had like 15 conversations with cigar guys like this uh you know uh my good buddies from viva la vida gus and uh uh uh, why am i forgetting his name but because he's my good friend uh and and like like 10 15 cigar companies all just said to me no we totally was steve saka pete johnson uh, and, and I really, I am friends with all these guys and, uh, I know I'm name dropping, but it's fun. And, uh, see Alessic says she never stopped loving me. She's a wonderful girl. And, uh, uh, so that, that was very cool. And this whole time they've supported me. And now that, uh, well, I won't get to the end yet, but, uh, uh cause the end is good. It's a good ending to this. Um, but this was. A very difficult time of my life and what added six months to the process was COVID because the courts shut down. And boy, did right. that suck a whole lot. Cause then I couldn't solve anything. So should I get kind of to the end? Well
0: yeah. I was gonna I was gonna set you up. So you go to court and they find out that you never actually made this statement anywhere of going in there and they actually expunge it from the record. Is that
2: correct? Well, it probably took about six trips to court in Pennsylvania. At one of the to Playing a law firm, thousands of dollars um, for something that I was completely innocent of. And uh, finally, they sent me a uh, or actually a person from the court contacted me and said, uh, we're going to put you on a six month, I guess, probation, whatever that was. But after the six months, we're going to uh, lift all charges against you. They're dropped, which has just happened. All charges are dropped against me. Come on a yay, guys. Yay! That's right. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, and then
0: but, they well, said... It's more than that. It's more than just a dropping of the charges.
2: Yes, it, which is really great. They said that they're going to eliminate it from their Pennsylvania state uh computer system records so i was told by the person from the from the their their court system that it will be as if it never happened it will be completely wow. eliminated so that's in the process of happening right now uh, but i am uh, i am lifted of all charges and hey, told, congrats. yeah I, it, it's it's so great because it really hurt my cigar business as you can imagine. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, pretty busy in the cigar world and this really hurt, but so many people stood up for me that during when this was happening, um, John Lipson from Alec Bradley. And, uh, he called me up and cause I've known John forever and he's that like, he's kind of like second in their company in marketing and all their branding and stuff. And, and, uh, he said to me, we want you to do work for us. We, I go, but you know what happened to me? He goes, no, we believe you a a million percent. Um, and Alan Rubin got on the phone with me and we talked a couple times and they both said they believed in me a thousand percent and they wanted to prove it by giving me work. And I was like, holy shit. So they gave me a lot of work. Uh, it was great money, great stuff. Um, Alan Rubin went to the point where he actually called uh, uh, Arthur Zaretsky from Famous and told him, I'm working with Tommy, and I don't want you to have a problem with this. And he said he didn't have a problem with it. And then COVID hit, and they stopped doing everything. Um, Because COVID really affected companies like Alec Bradley, who uh don't make their own cigars companies who control and made their own cigars and you guys i know this uh thank you mark mark williams is awesome uh guys who know uh the the uh, let's see companies like perdomo and you know in general and uh any of the the cigar makers uh, aj fernandez they were fine in fact did phenomenal the nick said nick perdomo told me he did so amazing during COVID. But the, comp- the smaller companies like Alec Bradley, like uh, Viva La Vida, like several others, they had a tough time during COVID because the cigar factories were making their own cigars first with the tobacco they had. And uh, just thought I'd throw that in as a side note. Um, but bottom line, uh, this is over with this. And uh, the person at uh, that turn me into the cops and really I thought was a friend uh, really hurt me and I don't know why uh, but it's over with and you know let me tell you guys out there that uh, Abe put something on uh, uh, you put something on Facebook about what happened to me and we had never talked before and then I contacted you and I said Abe I told him the story what happened Right. And uh, I, uh, you know, laid the whole thing out for him. And Abe, I could tell you totally believed me because everybody believed me once I told them the story. And you said any I want you on my show to what do you call it? Talk about give your side of the story. And you were very cool about it. And uh, I said, I got my lawyers want me to wait before I get on the. uh, (laughs) Well, it's been a year and a half. Yeah. And finally uh it happened and you invited me on and that is the coolest thing and you guys are great. Thank, and... you. Thank you.
0: Listen, we're happy for you. I mean, glad this is behind you. I mean, what a what a nightmare situation. Now, I'm curious. Are you resentful to that friend? Do you envision yourself one day ever having a conversation about what happened with him?
2: Extremely. Yeah, but I got to learn. You got to learn to let that kind of stuff go where it comes from anger. I hope I can do it not from anger. Uh, but, and do, you
0: think, do you think one day you'll, you'll, you know, reach out or have a conversation with him about all this? Or do you just think I it, said, it's done, it's over. I'm done with that chapter in my life.
2: I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know. Um, you know, according to the, uh, when I got arrested and stuff, I was no longer allowed to go to Famous or talk to any employees at Famous, which was bullshit because I had like 10 best friends in the world that I worked was with. Was that by day Famous
0: day. or was that by your lawyer telling you it's in your best interest not to do that?
2: No, it was by the police Oof. and the court, the court system. So oh, wow. uh, now I guess when this gets lifted, uh, I have to make sure that I can freely contact and talk to people there. Uh, because I had some of my best friends in the world, there. you know, I worked there for yeah. six years every day. Yeah. So, uh, I can move forward. So if anybody Speaking wants- of
0: moving forward, what's, what's in the future for Tommy Z?
2: Um, eating competitions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm big on. Uh, now, I've, I've, my background was um, before I got into cigar stuff, I ran uh, an ad agency. And I've actually been ran several ad agencies that I owned and ran. One was larger, one was smaller. And so I've maintained doing advertising work during this. I actually do a lot of work. You know the brand uh, copper fit which is the uh, it's the brand that makes like the elbow and the knee. Yeah. yeah. And and Brett Brett Favre and Jerry Rice are in the commercials. I do a lot of uh, writing and stuff for that. And uh, so I've stayed busy, but uh, and I stayed in touch with the cigar guys. And some of them are still like a couple of really good friends. Uh, But I want to get back into the cigar business, something fierce. Um, I think I have so much to offer. Um, cause it's not just my, uh, my knowledge of cigars, but I think my ability to be on camera and on radio, because if any of the guys out there know that I did, uh, I did famous uh, Sirius XM radio commercials for six years and I did all their commercials and I did all their videos I hosted. And so I'm really, really good at that stuff. So would uh, love to get back into that again, but, uh, so, am I begging? Sure. why not? what the hell <laughs>
0: go go get them man well Absolutely. i I predict it won't be long before we'll see you deep in the in the trenches of the cigar verse, so wishing you the best of luck, my friend
4: yeah you know, oh, it's funny I, I was I was thinking about the the whole situation and the statement, and uh you you quite often make the same kind of statements except it's in the opposite direction your Your statement is usually somebody, please just kill me right now. <laughs>
0: Literally, I, I, I look like just shoot
4: me.
2: Just kill um, God,
0: just take me now. Just Seriously,
2: is that illegal? Is that illegal? I don't. Know. I don't know.
0: I, I'm pretty confident. I probably say a half a dozen things a week. I could probably get arrested for. Right.
2: Yeah. But, so let me say again. Uh, um, big thanks to all the the fans out there. That and I do. You know, a lot of you may not know me or had never heard.
0: We're not hearing you at all right now. Yeah, I think we may have lost you. That's funny. No. Might, be, might be a good time to see if he wants to come back on while we get coupon. While yeah, he's closing yeah. let's see what's going on with the coupon. We got through the story. Oh yeah, we got through the whole story. What a crazy story it was. Oh my God, what a story! If Tommy right, tries get- back in, get him on. Yeah, it'll be yeah, I'm watching him. I'm watching him. All right, here we go. Let's go to Coop. Going out with Coop.
5: Hey, you what's my theme music? The
0: Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Here at first on KMA Talk Radio and Cigar-Coop.com.
3: Joining us from the Carolinas before he makes his trip to Las Vegas across the country I believe in the parlor or in the dining room?
7: The kitchen. Is Coop. The kitchen? Oh, the kitchen. The kitchen oh, that's yeah. where we had the best service, right? Exactly. Hey, good, so, uh, good morning, uh, guys. William Cooper. Good morning. Hey, Alex, congr- we haven't had a chance. At- congratulations.
4: Thank I, you, my friend. I appreciate
7: I that.
5: Thank you very so much. Very oh, good. Like
7: wow. I've, I've nubbed it. It's, I hope it's, Coop got that press release. I did, I did, and it was, very, by the way, and I want to give Abe credit, it was very well done, very well executed, not like most of the press releases that have been going on the last couple of weeks for the industry trade show, which on a whole, the cigar industry is getting a failing mark in my book, but Abe did a very good job. Thank
0: you very much. Yep, yep. Believe me, I didn't want to have to hear you complain in another KMA episode. Uh, did, did, I,
7: I can't wait to write like a recap of, of the excuses for how <laughs> press releases have been done, because this year the excuses have been... I mean, if I, they're just unbelievable. It's not, it's not worth going into on this show, but, but yeah, it's how been many, crazy.
0: How many people are using COVID? COVID's like the blanket excuse for the universe right now. I, yeah. I forget the fabric softener. Hey, it was COVID.
7: Well, the problem is why I, I, two, his, that's not really the issue. Two companies this week told me they couldn't get me a press release because some other publication was hounding them all day. And that was the reason why they couldn't get it to me because they, they, they had a, to get the other person off their back, I'm like, that's not an excuse for not getting me something.
0: Oh, so because you're polite and professional, you didn't...
7: Right, right, because right. I'm polite. Pro- so I said, well, next year, we'll just hound you now that we have a four-man team. We'll just start hounding you guys because I think that's the way we have to get it. I mean, it's 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 un- And I'm, it's not like these are th- things I was working on with these companies that you know, suddenly I read about somewhere else.
0: It, it's kind of really easy for us. We have a saved email list file of all the people we send it to, and we just hit send.
3: It's, Wait, you have a press release email list? Oh, my God. That's
7: amazing. Right?
0: I mean, I mean yeah. like
7: rocket science. It's complicated for these companies. I know it is. But, yes, yes, you know, it's complicated. But, yes, you can use that email list. And you can make a distribution list, so you only have to put one thing in the two, and you just send the information.
0: You know, what's funny is I actually went through the list before we sent it Yeah, for, for Anonymous. Because, you know, guys, guy didn't listen to me. I'm like, holy cow. They have even been around for five years. Get that name off there. Get that yeah. name off. <laughs> we actually weaned ween- out like 10 10- Ten emails out of
7: that list. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's true, but it's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, it's the first because time I've ever burned a
0: band on a cigar. Look wow, at that. And the only reason why I'm holding the band is protecting my fingers from the heat. I was going to say that's yeah, <laughs> great cigar. So go ahead, cool. Sorry, right. Cole, go ahead, my friend.
7: All right, so we we have a we have we have this bunch of stuff that's happened this week. I'll, I'll just kind of touch on I think some of the more uh, prolific ones, but. Uh, we talked about Ashton cigars a couple weeks ago, and they've been quiet for a while. And... Quiet for a while? Yeah.
0: How about quiet for a lifetime? Nice.
7: Well, well, this week they announced uh, a new uh, line on the La Aroma de Cuba. Uh, the La Aroma de Cuba Passion. Um, this is going to be an all-Nicaraguan cigar that they're going to have. And, is that uh, their
0: it's- 21st rendition of Raw Roma de Cuba?
4: I was going to say, that seems like that's the one that gets expanded on the most.
7: It, it, but it does, I don't know, at least to where I am, it does very well this brand. Okay, so you have to understand, Alex,
0: Yeah. if they want to expand any line, there's only two people they can go to, Carlito or Pepin. That's right? it. So where do you think that expansion
7: is going to happen easier?
4: Fair. Valid. Very valid.
7: Yeah, like we haven't seen a new Ashton cigar probably in about six or seven years. Um, and La Roma Cuba is probably a little less than that. But this is this is a, I, this is a more... They haven't done a full-blown La Roma new line in a while. This is going to be all Nicaraguan. It's going to feature a shade-grown wrapper from the Garcia Farms. Uh, it's going to be available in six sizes... And that's expected to be shown at the trade show next week. And it's kind of got some cool green banding going on it, which it actually looks kind of nice. I green bands are usually hit or miss, but these look pretty nice on them.
0: So I think that's the sixth rendition of La Roma de Cuba.
7: I think you're I think it's the sixth.
0: San Cristobal has one, two, three, four, five renditions.
7: Yep. There you it's go, right, Abe. Right. You're, right, you're, you're right on the mark, Abe, with that. Yeah. All right. Um. Hey, hey, some did you just look at a price list? What was that? Did, did
4: you just look at a price list to figure that yeah. out? <laughs> it's
0: right at my desk. I was just going over <laughs> with it. Abe was, hey, <laughs> was here yesterday.
4: <laughs>
7: All right, we got another story on of La, La Polina cigars. And Abe, do you remember when La Polina launched a while ago? They came out with a cigar called the Kill Bill, the KB. Listen, Kill Bill
0: was actually my go to cigar in that line. Great I cigars. Love the cigar. and the KB. I love the Batola. The flavor for me was on point because of the Batola. I, I, I was a fan of Kill Bill too, as well. Right. It was a little longer, right? Yeah, it was yep. a little bit longer in case you wanted a little bit longer of a smoke. Mm-hmm. So they got, what do they got? They had something new coming out with Kill Bill?
7: Well, they've taken Kill Bill, and uh, they've completely they – Kill Bill was actually an extension of a line called El Diario. So it right. had the Bowlby Paley picture on it. Uh, by the way, Abe, on point, I think you and I talked about this a while ago. Love that cigar to Kill Bill. Well, now Kill Bill, uh, which they call KB, is getting its own line. It's called the KB Series. Um, and they've kind of – they kind of came out with four sizes in it. Uh, the sizes are called Part One, Part Two, Part Three, and Part Four, uh, and it's the packaging is kind of reminiscent of that Quentin Tarantino like vibe. Is I guess the best way to put it. Yeah, it, it they got they got away from the classic packaging they had with the Goldie Paley picture, and they've gone completely different with this. Hmm. Uh, so it's it, it, it they're calling the KB series. So I'm interesting to see what the reaction to the packaging is going to be. Um, Two of the sizes, uh, part three and part four, are um, part three is a five by fifty-four, five by fifty-two or Part four is a six by fifty-four. They're saying that those have extra lherro, and they're even going to be more amped up. Um, but they're going to be showing this off next week at the trade show, so that's going to be, I think, pretty interesting to see.
0: Does packaging ever turn you off on a brand? Yes.
7: Really? Yeah, it does.
0: It doesn't really for me.
7: Uh, if if folks have heard me, I am I am not a fan of these. Craft paper bundles, I, I just, they just, I don't know. I'm not a fan of them, Um, because I, I, I'd rather see the cigars, you know. When they're they're hard to put craft paper bundles on a retail shelf, so for me, I can't really see them unless I kind of have to pull a cigar out or have someone pull the cigar out for me. I don't really like that, so I'm I'm a traditional box guy.
0: Well, I mean, my opinion is, and I tell us to to like when we get projects like this, we sell them by the bundle because they don't belong on a shelf. You can't display these again. This these this stuff is good for limited projects, so you don't need the investment of a box.
7: Oh, agree. And, and, but when I see, like, for example, and I guess I'll pick on them a little, some of these Davidoff releases that are coming in, in the bundles, Davidoff just doesn't belong in a bundle. It's a luxury item.
0: you know. I refuse to carry that series. That was my exact argument. You want me to sell a $35 bundles? Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All the series I, I, and whatever, they were sending me bundles. Get out of here.
7: And I'm not it's not, not going cigars. I'm sure the cigars are great, uh, but yeah, I I can understand that. I mean, okay. this so is my, like my
0: question, my question was misguided. My my the point I was trying to make more is: would repackaging of a line or a brand, if you didn't like the packaging, turn you off of a cigar? So like they, Camacho, Camacho rebranded their whole thing. Right. At one point, now Kill Bill's repackaging. Now I'm a fan of Kill Bill. I could care less if they put it in a turd-colored box or whatever. I'm going to go grab that smoke and smoke it.
7: Right. Me too. I am. Um, But you know what happens with human. They haven't quite said, you know, here's the thing. When packaging changes, the human mind says that the blend has changed. That's, that's kind of always been the thing with cigars, Um, which has happened. So in my mind, no, but you know, it's just the mind plays funny games on you sometimes. See, I
0: see, I see it this way. The people who are kill bill fans like you and I, we're going to go grab the cigar. As, well, long as, right. as long as it's the same cigar, we're going to love it. right? But the packaging
7: change may attract people
0: who have never seen or smoked that cigar.
7: True. This is going to attract a whole different one. This is such a radical change with the packaging. Um, that you got a picture of it, Paul? Yeah. It's on the Coop tr- site.
4: How is I, it? I tried to look for one. Coop right? Yeah, can-
7: I've been looking for it. It's on the
0: should've, Coop site. Should have went to Coop?
7: I, I can share it. What's the
0: scoop? My man, let, let Coop share it. you got I think you gotta text it to me coop
7: um uh, yeah it's impossible let me let me try one more thing real quick while we talk but yeah, I agree with you abe it's um from that perspective um you know I, i'm i'm not, I'm with you as far as that goes if the cigar is the same then uh then you know i'm gonna be you know i'm i'm gonna smoke it is what I'm saying yeah me too are you able to see it now no but i
3: I can't see it, but I, I think I just found it, so I'm getting Good. it now.
4: All right, what? Okay, else?
0: If not, I, like. I
1: have it. You got it. All right. Yeah. mean,
0: such it a is... think about this. I'm curious now what it looks like. Yeah, I got it. You got a pull. Give me one second.
3: Go ahead. Go on to the next story, Coop, and I'll.
7: Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm just yeah, going to yeah. upload it. What I also mentioned while well, that's in La is also and these, these were kind of ex- these are stories that I think aren't anywhere else. The La Polina stories, by the way, um, at least at this time. So La has also got a 125th anniversary cigar they're doing. Um, they're teaming up with Oliva, and with that, is there, you know, they're, so they're, they're, they work uh-huh. with the start of Oliva. Okay, it you got is, that?
0: It is very Kill Bill-esque. Yeah. So each size has a different top?
7: Yeah, that's the other thing, is each size has a different top, and the bands match along with that. I don't love it. I don't
0: think it's going to hurt it.
3: You know, uh, yeah, I
4: don't hate it. Uh, I don't hate uh, I don't love sad. it. I don't love I don't hate it, I don't love it. The the old bands, the dead LDRO bands are kind of classy, but yeah, I don't know that it's gonna hurt it, but personally I don't love it.
7: Hey, hey Paul, can you pull up the one twenty-fifth anniversary one, La Polina Story 2? So <sighs> that that one is pretty cool pa- that one is very cool packaging. This is gonna have old style glass jar uh humidors that these are gonna come in, and it's gonna have the old style Lapolina turn of the century uh, logo. It, it actually looked pretty cool with that. So, and that's also going to debut at the trade show. These uh, these humidor jars. There it is. Oh wow! Ooh, I like that. That's that. Cool. That was really cool. That was really cool. So yeah. So they're coming
4: in glass jars.
7: They're gonna come in glass jars. Yeah, it, that it's, I so, hate. That's a, a limited one. Yeah, I I can understand that too. I could totally understand that too. What's the That'll count on the ship?
0: What's the count in those glass jars?
7: Not just ship. Where do I display it on a shelf? Yeah, these are these are a thirty-nine count. Oh yeah, so tough box sale. Tough box yeah. sale and hard display. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not gonna be they're not gonna be cheap on those either. I don't have the pricing on me, but that is not gonna be cheap. But that's gonna come from that they're doing they're working on a on that one.
0: Anything else you got going on, Coop?
7: I'll mention just two quick things. Uh, Matt Boots announced his Room 101 12th Anniversary Cigar this past week. Uh, Nicaraguan Puro coming out of AJ Fernandez, and he announced a new big payback cigar, a Sumatra blend, um, which is his first Sumatra release. Sumatra is going a big theme this year at the trade show. A lot of people going with Sumatra wrapper cigars. so um, I, I've already seen a lot of announcements with that, so that's kind of the rap, the trendy wrapper you're going to see at the show this year.
0: I've come to kind of feel that a trendy wrapper becomes the available wrapper.
7: It totally right. is. Yeah. It
0: totally right. is. That's that's what this happens in this industry. We mm-hmm. think you know, we think it's a trend. We think everything but no, there's a shortage on other stuff and that's the readily available wrapper typically and that becomes the trendy wrapper.
7: Yeah, Nick Malolo was telling me this once and he said it's kind of like the stock market, you know, with certain, with certain rappers are commanding a higher price and other rappers command a lower price. And when those rappers command a lower price, a lot of people will get it and they'll stock up on it and then they eventually have to use it. So that's what you, that's why you kind of tend to see these things go in cycles over the past few years. But I don't remember as much Sumatra as this year. It just seems like there's a much bigger percentage of it. Well uh, according
0: to our bowtie expert, there's a massive amount of Sumatra available currently.
7: Also also a Sumatra expert, apparently. <laughs> Who's that? Casey, of course. Casey no, I trust Casey on that one.
0: Yeah. Otherwise known as Kevin Casey. <laughs> Kevin
7: Casey.
0: I called him yeah. Kevin Casey twice. Yeah.
7: Yep. Yeah. 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 There you go. So yeah.
0: Well, uh, anything else going on, Coop?
7: Um, no, like I said, there's a lot of other stuff we could go through. You could check out the um, the uh, we have the list on the coop side of the PCA uh, on our big board. Uh, there's like there's about a hundred releases we've tracked so far going into the trade show. So it's starting to pick up. Yeah. Oof. You excited about going to Vegas? I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, so you know uh, I'm I'm, leaving, I'm leaving Wednesday. Available,
0: I'm available for any live interviews, man. Don't worry. Um, make, I will make time for you.
7: No, Abe. You, you seriously? You guys got to come out to the. I know Brandy's gonna come out to the house. We're gonna have the house every night. Uh, you know, if you want to, it, 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 we're gonna have some people over. It's not gonna be wild and crazy, but but we we have a great time out there, uh, for sure. And uh, well, we'll stop yeah. by and say hello. Yeah, definitely. Who was telling me
3: it's a luxury? This time it's a luxury. It's cigar a cigar media a, compound.
7: This is a luxury cigar media compound, and 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 my bank book will prove it. So it's all. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we 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 have a bigger team this year. So we wanted to make sure everyone's comfortable. But I get out there on Wednesday. Uh, th- now this is hurricane. You heard about this hurricane, right? Next week, yeah. Oh, fact, we know we're. Does, we were this getting... become, does this become the PCA jinx this year? This hurricane is my question.
0: We we, we um. We were just debating this, Alex, and I, yesterday. Because, you know, we, for our connoisseur club, it's very difficult to get bands to uh-huh. multiple cigar companies in real small quantities. So we actually get them labeled here in Miami before we ship them out. And um, we're actually nervous because of this hurricane and getting the cigars down there. The, the place where we do it may be closed. Um, a few days, we may have to send out kind of club cigars without our bands on them again, like how we originally started for one month. But yeah, this hurricane is uh, going to be interesting next week.
4: I mean, well, well, we'll, I'm, we'll see how it plays. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, for our listeners, you don't know; it's still so early. That aren't in Florida. I mean, down here in Florida, Category One, even a Category Two hurricane, nobody really bats an eye.
0: It's a, th- um, a thunderstorm.
7: Yeah, it's a thunderstorm. But does, but so does we'll it not? Does it knock the airports out? Does cause yeah, problems? but for hours.
0: It's not, like, days. Okay. It, it, well, it, that's not the issue. According to current tracking, um, it's going to be out by the Atlantic by Wednesday or Thursday. So, you know, we're leaving Friday. We should be clear of. Yeah, I think you'll be clear for
3: Friday, yeah. Saturday. Like, you, yeah, you'll be okay. Right, so My biggest fear.
4: Plan, leave them. That's oh, is that- right. A- when are manufacturers planning, or when were they planning? That, right? Yeah, that's, that's the that's question. Be,
0: now, now early. They're just going to bump their flights. That's Yeah. What I'm yeah. I don't I think mean, it'll affect that.
7: I leave Wednesday, mm-hmm. and Caroline is supposed to see some of this, but if I have to adjust my flight, I'll adjust it. Yeah. What I yeah. I, I'm more
3: worried about my, my new house build because there's no windows or roof. There's just plywood on the top of the house. They haven't put yeah. the, the roof on yet. I, I was texting our guy today. I was like, hey, are they going to do this in the next week, or... And no answer, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah.
0: All right, you gentlemen, ready for uh, tail of the tape? Let's do We're it. All right, let's, let's do it. It's season two, Tale of the tape. Oh crap! <laughs> it got moved. I got it. Start the
4: clock. All right, coming in at, I believe we're at number seven. Sorry, I've been in a tailspin lately. But uh, coming in at number seven for my pick, top wrestlers of all time, is Coop's uh, previous week's pick, The Rock. So The Rock uh, comes from a wrestling family. His father was a wrestler, has wrestling in his blood. Uh, The guy was really a superstar, superstar. Um, Great gimmicks. Some of the more memorable one-liners um you know if you smell what the rock is cooking uh, it doesn't matter what you think uh the people's eyebrow which Abe is able to execute perfectly and also I may be wrong but to me one of the first guys that really broke out seriously into the movie uh world um I could be wrong but I don't know Coop go ahead
7: yeah no um actually Hogan did a little of it but not to the level of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, but um, my number seven is Shawn Michaels, and here's what I got to say about Shawn Michaels. The Iron Man match, the ladder match, the Flair retirement match, the Montreal Screw Job. This guy was in big-time matches, and he performed at the highest level in these big-time matches, winning a lot of these matches. He had several runs as champion, very charismatic around the camera, very uh, high-flying acrobatics. Surprised he never made that jump. Like Right, I agree so but but he was but incredible career he had most of his career was with the WWF WWE so um i would definitely put him as my number 7.
4: Yeah, great pick. I agree. And I feel like Shawn Michaels was one of those guys that either love hate or love to hate. You
0: know. Yeah, there, there it is. is. Yeah, yeah I grow. In fact, all my kids could do it.
4: But yeah, Shawn Shawn Michaels was a big time guy, man. He really was. He,
7: he big man I mean and, and we didn't even mention that whole Generation X thing. Right. Uh, which was like his the I call the modern version of the Four Horsemen that he did, you know. So they got yes. did the same thing. Yeah.
0: Who's got that graphic, Alex? Which one? That the the top list right there, that one right there. I I'm putting it up. No, no. Somebody text me on graphic. I want to post it on KMA. Let the people chime in and see what they feel about. The Alex, you you have to do it because I can't download it. From yeah, me. that's
4: fine. I can I can
0: you. And there you that's have. It. Cool. I mean, st- it's all guys
3: I know now, except for that one. Guy from the what the 30s that Coop brought up.
7: No, nah, he was like the 80s. He wasn't. I, I have a guy who's been further back in time, but he hasn't come up yet. The
0: 80s mm-hmm. is the 30s to Paul DeGracco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was born in
7: 83.
3: Coop, by any uh, chance, will Kid McGraw make your list at all?
0: Absolutely not. Oh, you right. know,
4: it's funny because yeah, I'm going to take. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Alex. it's just, me and Coop had this ongoing conversation. Um, you know, some of these guys like the Brock kind of get bumped up where they probably would have been deeper down but it's the length of their career yeah that uh kind of lands them where they are on their list but you know it's weird you kind of look at it like it, it, it's I, I look at it and i was kind of thinking about it. it's almost like boxers too you know now in, in in this day and age boxers are fighting 50 fights 60 fights they don't have to fight you know 200 fights to make a living and it's kind of the same thing these guys realize they don't have to wrestle for 30 years um, and destroy their body. It's why you see these guys making the jump to the movies and whatnot. So it, it's 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 interesting to kind of do that. You know, the the Rock wasn't a thirty year wrestler, but
0: uh, was a superstar in his yeah. own time. A lot we're of them, gonna- were, a lot of them early on didn't have the option. And then
4: right, well, same thing with boxers. These guys yeah. had to fight to you know feed their family, right? And then, yeah.
0: to- and then honestly, a lot of them can't make that transition. I mean, yeah. Rock, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't easy for Rock. If you hear him talking about, you know, he was very bad in his first. Few things, and he actually took it seriously. Went to acting school, got coaches. You know, really, really tried to refine his skill in the art of acting.
4: Yeah, and I don't know if anybody could curb, but I mean, I think I'm right in that. I feel like The Rock was the first guy to. You know, Hogan
0: did some movies. He well, was yeah. the first guy to do it successfully and
4: Successfully gym. and do it, like, real and not, not a few movies and star. Right. I know Andre the Giant yeah. did Princess Bride, but, again, he was a... sought-out actor but, and not
0: right. a cameo or, like a, a
7: faux appearance, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A couple of Hogan's movies were actually used to set up some main events, I remember, in the WWF. Yeah, like there was De- the De- yeah. Deuce. What was Deuce, that yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of like it wasn't really as serious as... When The Rock did it, he went. You know, he started doing movies like The Mummy. The Mummy, and, and yeah, he was doing real movies. Yeah, so I think it was a big difference. With, with yes, he got a tour one did it, but he left.
4: Oh. What you say? Rock's got a big
3: one coming out uh, this summer called uh, Jungle Cruise. It's the movie. It's like the the movie that was inspired by the Disney ride Jungle.
0: Hey, I saw. A
3: great
1: <laughs> movie. Oh, no to that.
0: I saw a great movie last night, man. My kids. I guess my wife saw it. Told my kids about it. We all watched it. The Tomorrow War.
7: Does it take uh, place in Tomorrowland?
0: No, Tomorrow War is uh, Chris Pratt. It was really, oh, yeah. <laughs> really good. I love Chris Pratt. It was a... I, I, listen, I like Chris Pratt as a person as much as I like him as an actor. He is a down-to-earth good guy. But um, it, was a, it was a really... Look, any, any one of those time movies always... It's, it's a time continuum movie, but it's about a future war... That's going to end the, the 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 whole human race, and they actually go back in time, and they do a draft. It's crazy. It, it's a Tomorrow War. I think it's on uh, – it could be Netflix or Amazon, one of them, but it's, on, it's out right now. So if you guys want to watch a good movie, hit up the Tomorrow War. It's pretty cool. I might watch it tonight, yeah. It's actually really good because we commented this on KMA, man. There's, like, no good movies coming out. Like, we're, my kids are dying for Black Widow to come out in another six days because there's just been no, like – real movies in the last two years.
3: they got to watch, if they like
0: kids' movies, that,
3: that new Luca from Pixar came out. My kids are obsessed with it. It's really
0: well done. Only two of my kids are still in that range, and maybe even one. They're beyond that crap now. Thank God.
7: Well, Many Saints in Newark, the trailer, came out this week. I mean, so I'm like...
3: Uh, when is that going to be released, though? Coop? September. They delayed it, right?
7: Late. Uh, it's September. All so right. I, I can tell you I'm going to be watching that the night it's on, so...
0: Well, thanks for the updates, Coop. We'll definitely look forward to seeing you.
7: Yeah, I look forward to okay. seeing
0: you. Yep. Right. In traditional fashion, now, we are going to close out KMA Radio with our Cigar Insane Asylum. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum.
2: Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes.
0: Where logic and reason cease to exist. <laughs> Okay, everyone. This week's story takes us to Provincetown, Massachusetts. In what many would consider a biblical-sounding encounter, or if you're our producer, Paul, a very Disney-esque style story, a commercial lobster diver escapes relatively unscathed after nearly being swallowed by a humpback whale. Michael Packard, 56, apparently was diving off the coast of Provincetown, about 45 feet down in the water, when he suddenly felt a huge bump and then everything went dark. He initially feared he was attacked by a shark, but then soon realized there was no teeth and he was in no great pain. Then the realization dawned upon him that he was in a whale's mouth and braced himself for eminent digestion. He was still in his scuba gear and breathing apparatus inside the whale's mouth for about 30 to 40 seconds. When the whale suddenly rose to the water surface, began shaking its head from side to side. I just got thrown in the air and landed in the water, Packard recalled. I was free. I just floated there. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I got out of that alive. Packard, who was bruised but suffered no broken bones, was pulled out of the water by his crewman and rushed back to shore where he was transported to Cape Cod Hospital. Luckily for Packard, humpback whales mostly filter algae and small fish out of the water. A fully grown human wouldn't even fit down the esophagus. Wow, that's going to be one whale of a story for your grandkids. We uh, you were just waiting. Regardless, Mister Packard, that story qualifies you to be this week's inductee in the cigar. To save asylum. Wow,
4: I was hoping for a Jonah and the whale reference Listen, or a Moby Dick they reference. Said,
0: they said the you know they said the most dangerous thing that probably could have happened was because you know they opened their mouths and they just swim. And go to the water. Had the whale like closed his mouth? I mean, just think about it. Think of the pressure. You could just close your mouth, and your tongue goes against the roof of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. You could have just gotten crushed just from the whale closing its mouth.
3: What kind of a whale was it? Humpback. Wow, man.
0: Oh my god. Can you imagine Pinocchio, real life Pinocchio? I thought you'd appreciate that story, Paul.
3: I liked it a lot. That's crazy. I would shit my pants, but maybe then the whale would spit me me out.
4: Monstro? Was it Monstro?
3: Monstro? Monstro is from
0: Pinocchio, yeah. <laughs> Coop, thank you once again for your you. contribution to this week's KMA show with your factual and up-to-date news. Big thanks to Tommy Z for coming on and sharing his story. What a story was it, it, awesome. was. it was. Sorry awesome. It was awesome to hear it from his side. Yeah, sorry we didn't get you back on. And, gentlemen, I want all our fans and everybody out there, we hope we entertained you for a few hours this Saturday morning. Have a safe and happy fourth of july we'll be off next week as we will be at the trade show in vegas but we will catch you back in two weeks light one up this weekend in memory of everyone who helped make this country free and everyone who helps keep it free all right have a great one keep it lit we'll
4: see you in two weeks